Tom Panos, Troy Malcolm, the duo, million dollar agent. Troy, how you going? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm really good, mate. Um, so, again, it's just the two of us on the cockpit, minus John McGrath. That's right. This is becoming slightly uh, more regular, but we've got the technology now that you can dial in, which which makes it great. Absolutely, Troy, absolutely. It makes no uh, difference where we are because one of the things that we're getting very clear about, you know, the 2006 real estate agent, and, you know, I was doing a great webinar with Phil Harris the other day, and Agent 3.0 um, that he um, described, Troy, is about an agent that is very different to the agent of, you know, the year 1990 or 2000. Yeah. They're very tech savvy. They're very um, highly trained, um, highly marketed, and they seem to understand that they're able to use technology that allows them to be doing work not in the office. It's one that's only going to become more relevant as we go down the technology era of real estate, I think, Tom. Absolutely. So, Troy... Um, this morning when we were sitting there working out this week's topics, we looked at negotiation and getting the best price. And Troy, I think that it's definitely worth a topic to spend considering. And the reason why is that this is one of the core value propositions an agent brings into the equation at a listing presentation. Like at the end of the day, Troy, Every real estate agent has got access to all the big portals. Every real estate agent has got access to signboards, to all the forms of marketing. Every agent's got a database. Every agent can turn around and talk about the things that they do in their market, the fact that they're going to do an open for inspection. I think one of the things that separates a good estate agent from an average estate agent is that their ability to extract the highest figure off the final buyer on the property and um, I think it's such a core cool topic that we should spend time talking about it because in a marketplace where sometimes you have a, an agent that charges 1% less than another agent, um, if you're 5% better as a negotiator, you can clearly show a vendor that you're 4% better as an agent and they're 4% better off going with you. Yeah, and what a great session. Tom, you've been running actually four or five sessions today on this in Brisbane, haven't you? I have. So I've been doing work for the Courier-Mail today and um, I had McGrath's and I had, you know, Harcourt's, which I've just left the room and I've had Remax and I've had uh, Place and, you know, we've um, um, got all the, uh, you know, groups tomorrow and independence tomorrow. And um, I've run a number of sessions today on negotiations. So these are fresh in my mind, Troy, and I might bring you in on a couple of these statements that I've, you know, written down in my PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. The first one, the first one I'll have is that um, some people are naturally better than other people at negotiating. They've got this ability to read the play. They've got an ability to pick up on nonverbal language. But Troy, I think everyone can learn negotiation and be better. Some people are naturally better than others. What do you think? Couldn't agree more because I use the analogy, and I know we use it a lot, but even with uh, most of our football commentary, same, same kind of setup. You can teach a skill, but you'll still get high performers that naturally become better than others, uh, but everyone sees that improvement. Yeah, so it's an optimistic thing, having that belief, because it then says to you that you can improve. And having... Uh, a growth mindset 
versus a set mindset or a fixed mindset um, is more beneficial in self-improving yourself. So, Troy, if I can, I might just run through some of the things that I notice great negotiators in real estate have. Point number one, they know how to manage the first offer and the way that they handle that first offer is crucial in the negotiation. They seem to have an ability to get an increase there and then at the initial offer. So um, some of the things that they'll do is they'll use body language Mm. to show that they're not pleased about the level that the offers come in or that they'll ask a really good probing question, which is something along the lines, can I ask you, how did you come up with that figure to the buyer? Or if they know that that number is significantly lower than what the vendor is going to um, take, they can actually say, um, thank you for that offer. That price level has already been tested. It's unlikely to get accepted. If it wasn't accepted, could I ask you, what would your next offer be? So they've got a very good dialogue in managing that first offer, Troy. Yeah, the other one, Tom, that comes to mind, I did a session with Matt LaHood only two days ago down in Melbourne, and uh, one of Matt's key negotiation strategies was when an offer came in early during a campaign when he was actively selling week in, week out, um, was, listen, if I was to take this to my owner at this level, an unconditional sign, documented, check, everything that we've got there, um, if I was to take that to my owner, would you be satisfied if you were to be overtaken by $10,000. So if someone else came in with another offer that was only $10,000 greater, would you be happy to walk away? He used that as a negotiation with our buyers to extract the maximum price for a property before he took it to his vendor to say, listen, they started at 900, they then made a better offer at 910, we actually got them to 915 to see the value and to take it off the market from all the competition that's going through the campaign. Yeah, well, I think, Troy, that's, you know, very well put there. Uh, by Matt, and you've beautifully been able to to replicate what he says. And what you're saying is that you know there's two things in that process. The first thing is it's fear of loss to the buyer. Correct. That are you prepared to lose it? And what we know is that um, fear of loss is a major psychological driver of human behaviour. You know, people want what they um, can't have. The second thing is they're able to go to a vendor. Um, and actually show that they've already increased the offer that the buyer's paid. Because a lot of vendors, whenever you go and give them an offer, there's a tendency where they'll say, oh, well, that's their first offer. But using the technique that you've just described shows to them, hang on a second, no, we've already had a first offer. We've increased their offer. So it helps you get an offer accepted as well. Yeah, and it doesn't feel as if, I think, if you're the agent, that you're running to your vendor with every single offer that comes on the table just to get a quick sale. You're actually working for their best interest. Correct. Look, the other thing, Troy, I notice about world-class negotiators in real estate is that the power in the negotiation always rests with the person who wants it least. And I think if an agent wants the negotiation badly, they've got a tendency to come across as being desperate, Mm. needy, and that term that, you know, we talked about on the podcast once or twice before, commission breath. Um, and, com- com- you know, commission, commission breath is where, Troy, you have an agent that sits there to a vendor and says, look, the truth is I'm so desperate. All I really want is this commission to come through. I don't care about your circumstances. That's the, the smell that is left by that conversation. And I think that great real estate agents have got this ability to be very calm, 
to be very neutral, to be very reaction-free, and to not come across as being too over-anxious about, you know, um, the offer um, when they're talking with a buyer. And um, in negotiation, here's the thing, Troy. I actually think that a lot of negotiation stems from prospecting. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're someone that does a lot of prospecting, you've got a lot of um, listings in your pipeline. If you've got a lot of listings in your pipeline, what actually happens is this, that you're not desperate because if this listing or if this deal or uh, this offer is not accepted or you don't get an increase, it's not the end of the world because you've got lots of other balls up in the air. Momentum creates... Um, opportunity, but it also creates confidence, and I think that's an important one when it comes to negotiation, is you have to be confident with what you're saying to both buyer and seller along during the process. Yeah, 100%. So, Troy, um, the next point I want to talk about is walking away, and I think that you've got to accept that don't think that every negotiation is going to happen there and then. That walking away is actually part of the negotiation. You as an auctioneer, Troy, know that there are times that you do an auction at one o'clock, the property gets passed in, um, you pick up your board, the agent picks up his board, you hop in your cars, you drive off to your next auction, um, the agent drives off to his next open, mm. and then at four o'clock you get a phone call from the agent saying, hey, um, we've sold it. The buyers come up 50 grand, we've put the sale together. Um, And that's all because walking away can be part of the negotiation, that people walk away and there's a saying out there, you'll never really know what the buyer's at until you walk away. Mm. And we see a tendency of more and more this happening where people turn around and say, okay, um, let's leave it at that. They rethink things. They realise that the vendor's not going to accept a certain figure and they come back. So I say to people, don't get too desperate and feel helpless if the negotiation doesn't actually happen there and then. Yeah, and and as an auctioneer as well, Tom, you would know that sometimes people uh, get caught up in the moment during the auction and they do need that time to realign with what they actually are trying to achieve. So instead of arguing about... Ten, twenty thousand dollars in some instances, up to fifty thousand dollars. They know that that's going to become their home. They don't want to search for a property any longer. They know that that's the best value that they're going to get for the amount of money they're going to get. The last thing I'll touch on is that um, I think negotiation is something that people can learn very easily because you don't have to actually go to a real estate based seminar. That you can actually YouTube negotiation. You can Google how to be a great negotiator. And you can watch because negotiation is a thing that is universal in lots of various different businesses and in lots of areas in life. So I would encourage all our listeners on Million Dollar Agent to have one KPI, and that is be the best negotiator in your marketplace because that K performance indicator alone, that simple skill, that ability to extract more money is going to give you confidence when you go to a listing presentation, you're always going to feel confident because you're picking you. And if you don't pick you, a vendor won't pick you. As we finish off here, a couple of things. This podcast is pretty much coming um, two weeks before Eric. So we want to let um, our listeners know that it pretty much is the final chance 
to buy your ticket at ARIC. I know I was talking to a couple of friends slash real estate agents today and they bought tickets today, they booked flights today, they booked hotels today. So the good news is that if you want to, you still can. Um, I want to thank um, our sponsor, realestate.com.au, and I want to highlight, because I've been out there speaking at realestate.com slash News Corp um, conferences in the last um, two weeks, and Troy, they keep reminding me that only 40% of agents have got a complete realestate.com.au profile page completed. And that's important because we know people are Google stalking. Mm. And the last thing I want our listeners to know is that at ARIC, um, News Corp and REA, who are you know both um, one of the, uh, the two largest sponsors of the event, uh, we're giving people a free copy of the book, There Are No More Blind Dates in real estate, how to win the digital and social interview. And Troy, if they come to the News Corp stand, then take the book, collect it free of charge. Mm. It's the total strategy on on how to win relevance in this uh, world of disruption. If they take the book, they go to realestate.com, they can get a test drive of what augmented reality is like because there'll be people at the realestate.com.au stand that will shine a mobile phone onto the book and the video cover comes to life. So I urge people to get a real taste of it during the breaks at ARIC. Um, uh, Troy, are you looking forward to ARIC? It's the one event where you can go and consistently take away great, valuable information that you can implement into your business on Monday afternoon. As soon as you leave the conference, there's two or three things that you can take away and put into your business that will help you get to the next level. The second thing is, Tom, I look forward to it from a networking point of view. There is friendships that I've developed and grown over the past 15 years of attending ARIC that I look forward to just catching up with them. It's like you haven't seen them for a year, but you know what? You still get to catch up, see how their business is going, see what's working for them. You get to see in the exhibition hall what's new technology, some of the great technology pieces that are out there on the market that are only getting better, for example, like realestate.com. Um, it's just one of those events that you can't miss. If you're in real estate, you cannot miss going to ARIC and, and really taking the most out of it. Um, hey, quick question, Tom. Is it you on the front cover of the book that comes to life? Uh Yes, it is, Troy. So people get to see you on their mobile phone for as long as they've got the book. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, Troy, <laughs> I, I, I've got to tell you, um, I shoot a lot of videos, Troy. Yeah. You know that my whole business model is based on <laughs> yeah. videos. Yeah. But let me tell you, this is only a 20-second video, but this took hours. <laughs> this, took, this, took hours this took hours to do. Because the way augmented reality is, is that you had to uh, be in a certain spot to come alive. But I've got to tell you, the end product is uh, quite incredible. And I think augmented reality, this is true, I didn't know that, but augmented reality glasses now are being sold at Kmart. Augmented reality glasses now come, like if you're buying a a Samsung phone, there's a package that gets you the phone and the glasses. And the glasses. I took home a, I took home um, a, a cheap version of the um, uh, Google Glasses, and uh, my daughters have been using these ten dollars glasses, watching um, augmented um, reality, virtual reality videos. Yeah, and they're you know quite incredible. I actually don't see a real estate um, agent um, not showing a buyer a house. But I do see a time very near in the future where 
buyers will be able to say, I'm only going to short this these five houses and look at these five houses. It's going to, for a, for a time-poor consumer, which is a 2016 consumer, they will use technology to help them manage their time better. And I think we're only at the tip of the iceberg with where this technology will go in the next four to five years. Yeah, well, I know, Troy, that one of the things that you do at McGrath and one of your key roles and one of the key things that, you know, excite you is innovation, mm. technology and what's going on. Um, so, um, yeah, watch this space. And I think, Troy, that what we should probably do over the next month or two is start incorporating a lot of information that's got to do with Agent 3.0 yeah. being the tech-savvy agent that understands how to win, you know, digital interview, Google stalking, understands the importance that people are getting off an aeroplane and the first thing that they do when they get um, frequency um, and mobile range on their phone is turn it on and go to Facebook. On that point, I can't wait, Tom. Looking forward to seeing you next week, um, hopefully face-to-face. Troy, we'll make it happen. I miss you, Troy. <laughs> I miss you too, mate. Uh, and, and, John, we miss, and we miss our friend John. We Graf, miss John. I know he will at be some listening. point he's going to be binging on our podcast. John, we're thinking of you. <laughs> all right. Until next week, Tom, I will see you all very soon. Thanks a lot, Troy. Bye for now.